questions I really love to ask somebody if I know that they know the Lord is. I like to ask them this question. So tell me how you came to know the Lord. You might want to remember that. That's a great question to ask people. If you know somebody knows the Lord, tell me how you came to know the Lord. We were in, uh, on a bus in Mexico on a month-long missions trip in Mexico on a bus um, and we had a bus driver. One of our bus drivers was named Mr. Stone Cipher. As we uh, traveled around Mexico, you really get to know people well when you travel with them and when the air conditioner on the bus breaks down and when you have various other kinds of interesting things happen with your lack of food, lack of sleep. You really get to know people. And the more that we got to know uh, Maurice Stone Cipher, the more you wanted to know what made this guy tick, because he was a solid Christian guy. So I said to Maurice Stone Cipher, tell me how you came to know the Lord. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, I lived, I'd heard about God. And uh, I didn't know if what they said about God was true. He said it was a stifling, stifling, hot, humid August night in Florida, and I was a little boy, and I was laying on my top bunk next to the window, and I just said, God, if you're real, could you send a cool, refreshing breeze right now? He said, you know what happened? He said, the curtain started moving, and it had been hot and humid and stifling all night. And when I prayed that prayer, the curtain started moving and a cool, refreshing breeze blew through the window. Maurice uh, heard the gospel and he followed the Lord. And so we were touring touring all over Mexico and the bus, the, the, the air conditioner on the bus broke and it was awful. And the bus was packed with young people and it was extremely hot and it was extremely humid. And we were at the border coming out of Mexico And we were stopped in traffic, and it seemed like we were there for about an hour and a half or two hours. Do you remember this, Lois? And I'm always joking around, so I jokingly say, Maurice, I think it's time for you to pray for a cool, refreshing breeze right now. It was a joke. But Maurice is just one of these guys that, just a precious Christian guy. So he's sitting at at the steering wheel. And he just starts to pray this most beautiful prayer. Dear Lord, you know, if it would please you, we would love to have a cool, refreshing breeze right now. And I was like, you took it seriously. And when he finished his prayer, I was standing up. The bus windows were kind of cracked open like this. They just went out a little bit. And then there, was, there were a couple places at the top of the bus where there was an opening in the top of the bus. When he stopped praying, a cool, refreshing breeze began to blow through that bus. And everybody felt it. And the whole bus, all the kids on the bus began to applaud the Lord. Do you believe that God is in control of the wind? Do you believe that God is in control of everything? Did you go to Sunday school when you were little and you sang this song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that? Be careful, little hands, what you touch. Remember that? For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because that's the way that we teach children that God is omniscient. That he sees everything. Did you sing this little song? 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Do they still sing that one down there? Yeah. Sure. And why is that? Because we want them to know that God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's, he's all-knowing and He's all-wise. And that's not the end of it. Those who are rightly related to Jesus, He shares His wisdom, and we're ignorant. We're not wise, though. We're not all-knowing, but He is. And He shares that. And those of us who have a sense of, like, a weakness, I can't do this, He shares His strength. He shares His power with us. So here's the outline of my message. For those of you who like outlines, number one, we are weak. Or you can say, you are weak. I am weak. Number two, he is strong. This is the outline of my message. You can tell it's going to be really profound. You are weak. He is strong. And third, those who are rightly related to God through Christ can, have, can be strengthened to do whatever God wants them to do. That's what we're going to talk about today. This week, we're going to meditate, knowing God by heart, we're going to meditate all this week, I hope, that I kind of get the ball rolling in your mind, and you meditate all week on God's power. And especially that you think about God's power when you think about your weakness and what you can't do. We're weak. Look in your Bibles in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 12. Now, the the guy who's writing this is the Apostle Paul. He's kind of a big deal. He is the Apostle Paul. He's written a big chunk of the New Testament. If, If you wanted to find a good Christian, you would have to put Paul in the good Christian category. And so what does he do? He doesn't start talking here about like how strong he is, how able he is. He actually talks about his weaknesses. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It's a famous statement of the Bible. My strength, God's strength is made perfect in human weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Interesting. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the principle that that Paul's talking about. So you want to maybe identify some of your weaknesses. At your best, you just can't do a lot of the things that need to be done. At your very best, in your prime, you can't save people on your own. In your prime, in your, at your, in, your, in your youthful prime, at your smartest, you can't overcome your own sinful nature. Much of what really needs to happen in our life, we can't do. God has to do it. Maybe you're a college student, and it's hard to be a college student. I, it was a long time ago, but I remember it. I remember the syllabus. I remember the shock of that. I remember trying to earn my money. I remember staying up all night, washing dishes, wanting Jesus to come back right now. Serious. Praying, Jesus, just come back now. And I'm out, you know. And it's hard to be a college student. You can't do 
all that you have to do. And some people are grown and have children and they're studying. It's hard. Maybe uh, you're a single mom and you're short of cash and you feel like there are big gaps and you just there's just a lot that needs to happen you can't do. And there are a lot of people that are in that situation or, or, or maybe, maybe a single dad. Maybe there's a temptation. Maybe isn't that true for all of us? There is this besetting temptation. It just seems like it keeps coming after you. And you go confess your failure to the Lord. And it, and it feels like, how can I tell him this again? I've told him this so many times before. What right do I have to come back over and over again and confess this as sin and ask for his power? This temptation just keeps beating me up. I can't overcome this temptation. Or, or maybe with you, it's uh, aging and illness and, and even death. We, we had death touch our church family in the saddest way this week. Family, uh, pray for them. Uh, Amanda and Donald Hurley uh, lost a baby, and she was well along in her pregnancy and had to deliver a baby that wasn't living. A little baby, his name was Edessa, and she'd lost a baby before Connor. And they have two little ones, Mackenzie and Jasmine. Pray for them. How in the world, how in the world do you deal with that? Humanly, you can't. And we all have, life is going to be that way. Fear, anxiety, or depression, or guilt, or shame, or bitterness. It's just better if we say, I can't. I, I need help. I'm weak. I'm willing to admit my moral weakness. I'm willing to admit my physical limitations. I'm willing to admit my intellectual weakness. I am weak, but you are strong. That's a good place to be. And God's way is to work through our weakness to show his power. Listen to some of what the Bible says about the power of God. I'm going to read some passages of Scripture. You can either ask me to send you these notes or write really fast. Here we go. Job 9.4 says, His power is vast. The Lord is strong and mighty. Psalm 24, verse 8. Great and awesome. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 21. The Lord Almighty is the mighty one of Israel. Isaiah 1.24. Ah, sovereign Lord. The NIV says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and earth your, by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the father's sins and the laps of their children after them. O oh, great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. That's Jeremiah 32, 17 through 19. Creation is a testimony to the power of God. I sing the mighty power of God who made the mountains rise, the hymn says. Uh, Isaiah 40 and verse 26 says, great, He is of great power and mighty strength. He's the Lord, owner, ruler, king of all creation, whom none can resist or overpower. He is the Lord Almighty, the Bible says, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Nothing is too difficult for him. Everything is within his power. The angel Gabriel says to Mary... Nothing is impossible to God. Later, after comparing the difficulty of the rich man getting into heaven and a camel passing through the eye of a needle, Jesus says to his disciples, with men, this is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You can't save yourself. You can't prepare yourself for eternity by yourself. If you go into eternity on your own, then you're damned, the Bible says. You can't face a, the, the wrath of a holy God alone you need help. 
But our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Psalm 135 verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all the deeps. This is all over the Bible, the power of God. Think about this for a minute. This is very important to you to understand there is an almighty being. He is the creator God of the Bible. The God of our Savior Jesus is the ultimate powerful being in the universe according to the Bible. Job replies to the Lord, I know you can do everything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah 14, 27 says, the Lord of hosts has planned. Who can frustrate God's plans? And as for his outstretched hand, who can turn it back? And Isaiah 46 says, declaring the end from the beginning and ancient times, that which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, and we could go on and on and on, reading passages of Scripture all throughout the Bible that talk about the, the overpowering might and power of God. Here's another in Psalm 8. I love this one. David's looking in the night sky. When I look in the night sky, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place. What is man who are mortals? What is man that you would think of us? Humans that you would care for us that because you spread out the stars in, in this in this in the heavens, and, the, and 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 did you ever sing or hear sung Handel's Messiah? And over go over again we sing the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Well, that's basic Sunday school stuff that we never want to get far. This is going to help you this week, this summer, to know God by heart, just to think how powerful He is. So we know he's good. We're going to talk about that later. We know he's good and loving, as the song says, as the scriptures say. He's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. And it's good for us to think about how all-powerful he is. He demonstrates his power in creation. He demonstrates his power in the spirit world. He demonstrates his power in redemption and taking men that have spiraled off into uh, rebellion and drawing them back to be uh, humble servants, followers, loyal worshipers of, of, of God. I, I was, this week, I was, uh, I love uh, Michigan stories. And I like to read and tell Michigan stories. What a wonderful heritage and history Michigan has. And maybe the UP, some interesting stories from the UP. I heard this story about a man that was raised in the UP. His dad was a copper miner. And he was raised in a very, very poor family. He had nothing. And, and on top of that, on top of being poor, he, he had a terrible problem in education. He had learning disabilities, and he had a speech impediment. He couldn't speak clearly. There was a man that took a special interest in him in his town. The man happened to be the pastor of the local Baptist church. And this pastor showed a special interest in this boy. And not long after that, he became the first person in his family to follow Christ. And then he shocked everybody. By going forward in a meeting and saying, even though it didn't make any sense, he felt that God was leading him to be a pastor. But he had a learning disability, and he had a speech impediment. And he, was, uh, he grew up, and he, he did some logging up in the UP, but he helped, felt a strong hand of the Lord upon him, and he followed the Lord. And I happen to know this fellow. His name is Les Olala. And he had a real fruitful ministry, and has... A real fruitful ministry. Eventually, he was with Life Action Ministries for, when I knew him, he was with Life Action Ministries as an itinerant evangelist and speaker. And then he became the president of a college. Today, he's still ministering an evidence of the power of God to take what people thought could never happen 
and save this boy of an unsafe family, overcome his learning disability, overcome his speech impediment, and make him, of all things, an evangelist and a college president. What is it you feel you can't do? That's where God wants to begin with you to show his power where you're conscious of your weakness. Through Christ, rightly related to God, through Christ then, through salvation, he will give us all the strength that we need. Take your Bibles and look at Isaiah 40. This is a wonderful place to meditate. We won't deal with all of Isaiah 40 today, but it will be wonderful. It would be really great for you to get out on your porch early in the morning or out there in the evening as the sun is going down on these beautiful uh, spring nights and just read all of Isaiah 40. It's the behold our God part of the Bible. But there's a part that's really special to maybe most of us, to all of us, towards the end of Isaiah 40 that talks about the power of God. And here's what it says, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Isn't that a great statement? Have you heard about God? He is unlimited in his power. He never gets tired He never gives up. Isn't that great? But that's not all that it says. It it says this. He gives, his understanding is unsearchable. And look at verse 29. He gives his power to who? To the weak. That's us. That's us. That's uh, for that temptation that you have trouble overcoming. That's for that bitterness that you have never been able to root out of your soul from that injury that happened to you when you were young. That's that ungoverned appetite that just seems so overwhelming. That weakness is what God wants in order to show his power. He, this is what we call an attribute of God, his power. And and theologians say this is a communicable attribute. There are uncommunicable or incommunicable attributes, things that God is and we will never be. And yet there's a sense in which God communicates to us or imparts to us a measure of his own character. And this is one of those areas In the area of our wisdom, he can give us wisdom greater than we had. So he communicates to us his wisdom or some of his wisdom. And so it is with his power. That's what he's saying. God isn't just powerful. God is willing to share his power with you in your area of weakness. And that makes a lot of sense in this world where we are overwhelmed with weaknesses and overwhelmed with troubles and overwhelmed with problems. He says, give me those thorns in the flesh. And watch what I do, because my strength is made perfect in weakness. God isn't really impressed with us when we say what we're good at. God wants us to tell him what we're not good at, so that he can give us a testimony. It's one thing to say, this is what I'm naturally good at. It's another thing to say, I couldn't even speak clearly, and I had a learning disability, but now I'm the president of a a college And a speaker, because God took where I was weak and he made me strong. Isn't that powerful? And so he says this, and this is this beautiful kind of poetic and lyrical uh, climax that Isaiah 40 comes to. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. That's in your prime. You still are going to have limitations, right? And, And who doesn't just appreciate watching a young man in his prime? That's what I do every fall. Every fall of the year, I get my flat screen TV and I admire the strength of young men. Like, check it out. Look at that. Isn't it going to be a Donnybrook this year? What with, what with Michigan getting a decent coach finally? Isn't that going to be fun? We're going to have some fun, aren't we? It's just going to be fun. This never works. I don't even know why I try it. 
But I just love to watch young men in their prime. I was skiing one day and watching this kid on a snowboard, about 20. He just owned the mountain. I'm like, whoa, look at that. I can't even think about that without it hurting now. It really does. I'm like, are you ski? Are you kidding? Do you know what that would do to your knees? I'm glad I can crawl up here and preach on a Sunday morning. So you got these young men, they go like, I have no limitations. Like, no, no, no. Even young men have their limitations. Even young men and women have their limitations and their weaknesses. But listen to what the Bible says here. But those who wait on the Lord, (laughs) they will renew their strength. They will mount up like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Whenever I read this now, I think of when I was trying to train to run a marathon. And I was running about 11 or 12 miles in the mountains of Kentucky one day. Running, kind of like shuffling one foot in front of the other, running. And it's the mountains, and I feel like I'm going to die. And this passage comes to my mind. You know, they'll mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will not walk and not faint. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They will mount up. And I remember, I bet a thousand times in the mountains of Kentucky. I said that to myself, one foot in front of the other. This is what we have to learn to do, to walk with the Lord in such a way that we have a continual and conscious dependence on him who is an unfailing, unflagging source of strength to people who are weak. Take your weakness and continuously and and without relenting, just keep giving your weakness to God. This is the idea. The apostles, the Bible says in Acts, with great power, the disciples gave witness. He wants to empower us to witness. He wants to empower us over our sins. He wants to empower us over our, our bitterness and other problems that, that we might have. God can withdraw his power from you. God can give you his power. Remember Samson? Samson in the Bible. There's a story about a judge named Samson, and he's well known for being what? Being strong. But when God withdrew his strength from Samson, then they made fun of him because of his weakness. When God gave him strength, then he, gave, then he was able, he had the ability to give glory to God. God can withdraw his power from you. God can withdraw his ability from you. God can withdraw his strength. You say, well, I'm young. He can take away your strength, your youth, your vigor, your health. If you're a little bit older, you know that all that stuff just hangs by a very fragile thread, Right? And so we walk in humility before God, physically and morally and spiritually, and and we ask God for his power. And Jesus has power over great spiritual darkness, over disease, over discouragement, over every part of this fallen, sin, cursed earth. And a great example of that would be in your Bible. Look in the book of Ephesians right now, would you please? Look in the book of Ephesians, and I want to show you as an example. If you understand the context of the letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesus was a place that there was a great contest of power going on there. The power of darkness and the power of light. The fledgling church has come into a place that's very spiritually dark. And if you read the book fairly quickly and you watch for references to this, you see this in Ephesians a lot. It's all about that contest, that spiritual contest between dark and light, weakness and power. It's all about that. And and it's especially evident when you read a couple of the prayers of Paul that he embeds in this letter. And there's one in chapter 1. And listen to this in chapter 1. And I'm going to read in the middle of this prayer, verse 18. He's praying for the people. And he says, I'm praying, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And listen, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us 
who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, this is not talking about just breeze blowing here. This is talking here about spiritual power over darkness and sin. As you read the rest of the, the, uh, the letter, you see it. Exceeding greatness of his power toward us, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. And his power is, verse 21, far above all principality. This is a reference to demonic powers. Principality and power and might and dominion and every name that it's named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come, that's us. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Young people today are saying, I don't need the church. Let me tell you something. Young people, you need the church. Old people sometimes they say that too. Don't need the church. Yeah, you do. You don't have the power of God without the work of God in the church. Because God manifests his power through the church. These letters are written to the church, not to just individuals. And if you want to have the power of God in your life, talk to the old-timers. The old-timers will tell you that, that the way to have the power of God in your life is to have the Holy Spirit working in your life and glory in the church through the church. That's what the Scriptures say here. And He wants to manifest. So when you live in a dark time of spiritual power, dark power, then what you want to do is you want to be with God's people under the anointing and the power and the filling and the control of the Holy Spirit so that you have the spiritual wherewithal to withstand the temptations that you're going to face. Otherwise, then you're going to be history. You're going to be a statistic. And that's what the Scriptures are saying here. In, 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 in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, you have another of Paul's prayers that manifests, that shows this darkness and light struggle. For this reason, this is chapter 3, verse 14. Paul's praying now. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Here it is. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Doesn't that just make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? You can be strengthened with God's power with might by your spirit. In the inner man, that means you can overcome those temptations that you're wrestling with. That means the darkest temptation, the darkest problem that you have, that God will go to work in you over time, and he will help to overcome that if you will continually yield to him. And this is what Paul's praying for, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend or to experience with all the saints what's the width, length, depth, height, and know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be, listen to this, filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, listen, according to the power that works in us. Are you disappointed because you've made mistakes? Well, there's a power that can work in you. God's power can work in you. Are you frustrated because you can't keep asking forgiveness for the same sins? God's power can work in you. Are you a gossip and you don't think you can overcome that because sins of the tongue are so hard to overcome? God's power can change you. God's power can work in you. This is always going to be true. That's why the Bible says in verse 21, To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love it that that phrase is there. To all generations. That means that I get in on that too. That means that young people, you need the church and the church needs you. He is able to subdue all things to himself. Philippians 
3.21 says, listen to what the Bible says God is able to do. He's able to subdue all things to himself. He, in Hebrews 7.25, says he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Jude 24 says he's able to keep you from stumbling. Amen? That you always having, uh, that, um, uh, keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Isn't that a beautiful benediction? And Jude, he's able to keep you, say, oh, I can't keep from stumbling. He is able to keep you from stumbling. I like that. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason also I suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He's able. You're not. He is. You can't keep yourself saved, but he'll keep you saved. And 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to make all grace, all gifts abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency for all things may have an abundance for every good work. That's an amazing promise. What is all, where all these pastors are saying that God isn't just hoarding his power to himself, but he'll share it with you in the areas where you need it, where you're weak, so he can empower you to endure and to praise with your heart, and he can empower you over darkness, and he can empower you over depression, and he can empower you over discouragement, and he can empower you over temptation, over your sinful appetites, over the idols of your heart, over your bitterness, over sexual abuse, over the hurts of your past, over your confusion, over personal weakness, over moral weakness, Right now, in America, America needs the church to show the power of God. Look what Paul said to a church in a town full of sexual perversion. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn there in your Bible. Look what Paul said to a church in a city filled with sexual perversion, kind of like America. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom. He's going to say, I didn't come displaying my power or my intellect or my gifts. I came weak. That's what he's saying. Brother, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but listen, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Catch that? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul came to town, not showing off his erudition, his intellects, his, you know, degrees. He came in weakness and fear and much trembling, but he brought the power of God. That's what our world needs to see. You get it? We don't just need to condemn them because they haven't figured out how to live holy lives even though they don't know the Lord. We need to show them that we can overcome our sin through the power of God. Think about that. Now listen and hear this now. All through the news this week, it's about uh, Bruce Jenner. Now hear this. 40% of people struggling with gender confusion like him, according to studies, 40% of people like him contemplate suicide seriously and many of them commit suicide. Now, you understand, 5% of the population overall contemplate suicide. 20% of those who are attracted sexually to the same gender, homosexuals, contemplate suicide. 20%. 40% of people with this kind of gender confusion contemplate suicide. And the world says to the church, don't tell them what they're doing is wrong because you're pushing them over the edge. 
Now that should be, we should listen to that. That's pretty serious. What should we do then? People need to see that God is powerful and can deliver them from the darkest sin. And how do we, we don't just say that to them. We've got to show them that, that I used to be a gossip, but I'm not anymore because I've been delivered by the power of God. We've got to show them that we also, we, the pit from which we were dug, and sexual sins and, and sins of the spirit and, and, and flesh and, and, and tongue, God calls us to experience the power of God in our lives and show them how they can experience the power of God in their lives. So people like, not to pick on him, but Bruce Jenner, they don't need to know that we're disgusted by their sin. They really need to have an understanding that we're disgusted with our own sin and that God has helped us to overcome it in the power of God. My daughter Holly wrote this story this week. She said, it was late one night. Jesse, her husband, was, ta- was taking me to the airport. We turned onto the street in downtown Portland, and we saw our, from our parking garage, in the dark, I saw a man walking toward us, dressed up as a woman. I was taken aback. I wanted to walk faster. I wanted to get out of town. I was out of my comfort zone. I drew my own conclusions. I judged my own way. All of a sudden, I heard a van load of boys coming. They were hollering and laughing and hanging out of their car, laughing and pointing and screaming loudly at the man who walked alone, dressed up like a woman. The boys finally passed, and the man passed us up at the light, and he kept walking on alone. He didn't seem to be phased. I watched him walk. I saw him sling his purse back over his shoulder and walk faster. I looked at his skinny frame, and for the first time, I saw a real person underneath his dress. I, I saw a man with a heart, just like you and me, and I had compassion on him, deep compassion. And I imagine, just like Jesus did, when he looked on me, thank God. Holly said, don't spread your opinion until you have prayed passionately and loved personally personally, and don't preach until you have wept over the lost in secret. People all around us, like Bruce Jenner, need to know and experience the sweet, steady, healing, transforming power of God. He can empower us to endure hardship and temptation. He can empower us to progress in holiness. He can empower us to reproduce the beautiful fragrance and the character of Christ. There's nothing he cannot do. And that's what our world needs to see. I know what prolonged victory feels like, and I know what it's like to be pulled back down into defeat. But the Bible says a godly man, a godly person, falls seven times but rises up again. First Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you. We had some graduation open houses yesterday. It's kind of like part of the life of our community, isn't it, in our church? And it's so sweet to see the kids accomplishing that and then kind of going off in, in the world and doing what they do. Whenever we have the graduation open houses, I, I try to walk up to every graduate and I try to tell them, on behalf of the church, we're here for you. We love you, we're proud of you, and we're here for you. And I kind of got that idea from uh, Paul Dixon, who was the president of Cedarville College at the time. Um, here's the story I heard him tell once. He said... And you that are Cedarville grads, you can correct this if, you, uh, if, I, if I don't get it quite right here. He said something like this. He said, if you're a graduate of Cedarville, I'm here for you. And if you ever need me, you can call me. I don't care where you are. I don't care what's happened in your life. If you're stuck and you don't know who to call, you think of me, you give me a call. I thought that was pretty cool. 
So I try to give a little speech like that. And here's, here's why. I say to the kids, look, I have a database on my phone. I have the church database on my phone. So you call me. There's a lot of stuff I can't do, but we got the whole church behind us here. And I tried to say to every one of the graduates yesterday at the open houses, you know, we're proud of you. And if you ever need us, we're here for you. And if you get stuck, you call me and I'll get out my little phone and I'll get somebody to help you. And we'll help you. Paul Dixon said one day he got a phone call from a student had graduated a couple years before and the kid's like, I'm so embarrassed about this. But, you know, you said you could call any time. And he's, he's in this faraway city in this faraway state. And he goes, I'm totally stuck. I call, my parents aren't answering their phone. I locked myself out of my car and I don't know what to do. <laughs> he said, I could call. Dr. Dixon says to him, now what state or what city? He names the state and the city. He says, hold on. And he just happened to have people in that city. He called and before long, here comes a tow truck and a little Jimmy thing, and they get the kid in his car, and he's on his way. I'm going to tell you somebody who's more connected than I am and more connected than Paul Dixon. If you go to God and you breathe the name Jesus Christ, you have all the power of God that you need at your disposal. All you have to do is continually humble yourself and depend on him. He'll help you. He'll get you through aging illness, death. He'll get you through discouragement, depression. He'll get you through temptation, bitterness. What is it that you're weak in? He'll strengthen you and do what he does. You can trust him. Don't you thank the Lord that you can today? I have celebrate communion. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, now as we partake of the bread and cup that represent your broken body and your shed blood on Calvary for our sins, Those of us who are followers of Jesus will partake, whose hearts are right with you. I pray for any who are here whose hearts are not right with you, that they'll either be saved or that they will get in right relationship with you through honest confession and they'll be able to participate with us. In Christ's name we pray.